Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast finds you well, and I hope you're all having a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and I just pray that things are going well. And so as we're continuing here on Thursday Thoughts, and we're continuing this conversation of Christianity and culture and our discussion through the Beatitudes and how Jesus institutes this countercultural kingdom, uh, we're moving right along with Beatitude number six. Beatitude number six. And so um, let's get started. Matthew chapter five, verse eight. Matthew chapter five, verse eight. Fortunate are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus came to usher in the Father's kingdom, an upside-down, inside-out type of kingdom. And here he is describing the heart of the kingdom. In fact, Jesus was introducing really a right-side-up kingdom, not an upside-down kingdom, because what had happened was the, the religious leaders and all the things that had happened throughout Israel's time, that had turned the Jewish faith upside down uh, because it was twisted, and then it was kind of like this loveless interpretation of Scripture, right? And you cannot understand God's commandments without a relationship of love with Him. And so, it's interesting here. Just like today's culture and society is one that, you know, is very opposed and very different than what God wants. I mean, you you look around on social media for just five minutes and you'll see stuff on there that that does not correspond with what the Bible teaches and what the Bible wants. And so, and it's not that, the, what's happened is the culture of the world is upside down, not the Bible. You know, so really when we're saying Jesus is coming and bringing this upside down type kingdom, really what it is, the worldly culture is the thing that's upside down and it's the thing that is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Because God's way, Jesus' way, the way Jesus came and instituted this kingdom, that is the way. Uh, if any of you are Mandalorian fans and, you know, the new season's going on right now, right, the, the famous thing that the Mandalorian has been saying, right, this is the way. And so when it comes to following God and the way the world works, this is the way, the Jesus way, right, the gospel way, the God way, with the Holy Spirit and all that, all that, that is is the way. And so what is the heart? Right? What is the heart? Obviously, the heart is this organ that beats, right? That pumps blood into our bodies and gives us life, yada yada, right? But what else is the heart? You know, throughout time people have talked about, you know, well, go with your heart. Go with your, you know, just trust your heart. You know, what does your heart tell you? Right? You you've all probably heard things like this before. And so what is the heart? Well, it's, it is the seat of all our emotions, desires, affections, and affections, I should say. It is the seat of all that. And God always looks at the heart and not our behavior. So who can have a pure heart? You know, this, this beatitude talks about, you know, fortunate are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. Who can have a pure heart? I think the starting point is to recognize and acknowledge that our hearts are impure, 
that we are sinful and that we have made mistakes, right? And that's the whole reason we need a Savior, right? We need a Savior who alone can cleanse our hearts of a guilty conscience, right? And this is the message of the gospel, right? That the blood of Jesus has justified us and that we are being sanctified through him, through that blood. And that is a lifelong process. You don't just become a Christian and you're pure and you're good, right? You have to work at it and continue striving to be the best you can. However, everyone, you know, to answer that question, who can have a pure heart? Everyone can be saved and have a pure heart through Jesus. Everyone can be saved and everyone can have a pure heart. The question is, is what exactly is a pure heart and how do we do that? And so that's what we'll talk about in this podcast. So what is a pure heart? We're going to look at a lot of scripture this well, whatever time you're listening, that's morning for me, but whatever time you guys listen to this. Um, what is a pure heart? Real quick, Proverbs 21.2 reads, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And so we see that God doesn't look at things the way we do, right? God looks at the heart. And also that, you know, a lot of times we think we're right, but God looks at our hearts and can tell if we're actually right or if we're not. We're always going to think we're right because we're just people and that's how we are. But we can fight that and be different and be better. I think another word for pure, uh, sincere maybe, uh, without duplicity, uh, to act with integrity, right? I think that's kind of what this idea is, what a pure heart is. It is not a double-minded thing, right? The pure heart upholds the truth no matter what the cost. Purity of heart is to will one thing. This is a quote by Soren Kierkegaard. I think I said that name right. Forgive me if I didn't. Uh, but purity of heart is to will one thing. That's a quote by Soren Kierkegaard. And the idea is that purity of heart is like focused on one thing. That's what it means to have purity of heart. Right, not to be double-minded or act with duplicity. Right, to be pure and sincere to one thing, to act with integrity. Right, um, the pure in heart. This phrase in in that Jesus is using here in Greek. I think the idea of what it's pulling out is, and what it's wanting you to realize is that this saying, pure in heart, what it means is exhibiting a single-minded devotion to God that stems from the internal cleansing created by following Jesus, right? Holiness is a a prerequisite for entering God's presence. Holiness is a prerequisite for entering God's presence. The pure in heart pass this test, right? So they will see God, right, and experience intimate fellowship with him. Uh, This beatitude, I believe, closely follows, or sorry, closely parallels Psalm 24, 3 through 6, and it reads, Psalm 24, 3 through 6, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? Who will who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not wear swear deceitfully? He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of of the God of Jacob. Salah. And so we see that pure people who are pure in heart and have clean hands are people who 
right? They they don't lift up their soul to to false things, and they do not swear deceitfully. And because of that, they receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God. And these are the people who seek the face of God. Pure in heart should not be restricted to just moral, you know, like still less sexual purity, right? It, it denotes one who loves God with all of his heart, right? Call back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. All right? It denotes one who loves God with all their heart. That's what pure in heart means, with an undivided loyalty and whose inward nature corresponds with his outward profession. Ooh, that'll preach right there. Right? And such is the generation of those who seek him, right? Psalm 24, 6, what we just read. And they, re- and they receive the promise that they shall see God. Right? And this can only be fully realized, of course, when we shall see him as he is, as 1 John 3, 2 says, and then we will be like him in the longings of, um, of, all, of ourselves and what we want will be fully satisfied in heaven. Right? But in a lesser sense, the vision of God is already... Um, we, we already experience seeing God right, as his true lovers on earth, right, who preserve in his service as seeing him who is invisible, um, as Paul quotes a few times. And so we see that pure in heart is, I love that, I, lo- I, I stole this from a commentary, so this is not my words, so I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I forget the commentary, but it's from a commentary, it's not me. But I like what this guy said. He said, pure in heart means an undivided loyalty and whose inward nature corresponds with his outward profession. So basically what that's saying is it's someone who is loyal. Undivided loyalty means they're loyal till the end. Someone who's loyal to God and who their inward nature, it corresponds with what they do outside. Right, it means that these people are genuinely good, right? And that's kind of what this means. So, so this the, we kind of got an idea of what is a pure heart, right? It's it is being loyal to God. It is exhibiting a single-minded devotion to God and not focusing on anything else. Not being double-minded, right? Not being a hypocrite. Being being pure, being pure of heart means truly focusing on God, and you know. Uh, we'll, I'm sorry, I was about to jump ahead of myself. We'll get to that in a minute. And so, what are some examples of a pure heart? Um, I can't help but think of David, right? Whenever Samuel is looking for the next king to anoint after Saul has been messing up, he goes to Jesse and starts looking at Jesse's sons, and you know he's looked at all these oldest sons who are big and strong, and what does God tell him? In 1 Samuel 16, 7, God, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so we see here, David is an example of a pure heart, right? David is always, is coined as the man after God's own heart, right? He was a man after God's own heart. And so that's kind of an example of a pure heart. Obviously, Jesus is the best example of a pure heart, right? When Jesus was when Jesus came here and lived 
as a man, he had a single-minded devotion to God, right? He is the example of what a pure heart is, and so Jesus is the example we want to emulate. But David just being a man, right? Because Jesus was fully man, but he was still God. But David was just a man. And so David is probably a little bit more relatable for us and to what we can kind of strive toward. Um, Obviously, we need to strive to, to be like Christ. I'm not saying that. We need to strive to be like Christ and try our best to be like him because Jesus came and lived the perfect ultimate ultimate example of purity and love and kindness, and that's what we need to try to do. But here with David, we have just a guy like us, just a dude, just a human down here on earth. And so he was mostly good, right? And so we'll talk a little bit about David's faults uh, in a second uh, with this question. What corrupts a pure heart? So we see that a pure heart is a single-minded devotion to God. It's the loyalty to God, right? It's not being hypocritical. It's not, you know, being two-faced, basically. It's focusing on God. So what corrupts a pure heart? Well, a heart gets cold. A heart becomes defiled and unpure whenever it is double-minded and unfocused. Whenever you're, Whenever we become hypocritical, Whenever, you know, I go to church and I say I'm a Christian, but I, you know, I don't really read my Bible. I don't really do good things. Um, you know, I just kind of go to church and then I just go about my life and do what I want. You know, that's that's very double-minded, hypocritical, and unfocused, right? And I didn't even mention doing any bad things because I think that purity, being pure of heart when you do something means it's genuine and intentional, Right. And so if we're not going to church and if we're not being Christians intentionally and we're just kind of going through the flow of things, then that's not pure and that's not being pure of heart. So we need to be intentional and focused and dedicated and loyal, right? And obviously, if we say we're Christians and then we go about living a sinful lifestyle, that is definitely not pure in heart, right? A heart gets hard when it is clogged with pride and bitterness, right, and sin. That's when a pure heart gets clogged. A double-minded heart, a heart that isn't quite focused on righteousness and still holding on a little bit to the world and the things of the world, right? Uh, again, let's look at Samuel. What, what, what corrupts a pure heart? Well, let's look at Samuel. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, most people probably know the story and that I'm going to reference. We're not going to go through and read the whole thing, but most of us know the story. If not, I'll give a brief summary. So David and Bathsheba, right? There's a war going on, and David is not at the war lines for whatever reason, and so he's getting up from his couch or something, and then he looks down from his palace, and he sees a woman bathing. Problem number one is he keeps his eyes fixated on this woman bathing, so obviously she's not clothed, and he's just focusing on her and looking at her, and she's married, and he shouldn't be doing that, and so that's that's problem number one. He makes the mistake. He starts looking at this woman and seeing how she's beautiful, and so he starts lusting after her, and you know, and that leads, obviously, to sexual morality, right? He, he lays with her. Uh, we'll use the Bible version, the PG version. He lays with her, and, you know, and that's, that's not right because she was married to Uriah. And then to make matters even worse, so he did that, and he makes that mistake. And then he has Uriah killed, right? He has Uriah killed, and obviously at the end of chapter 11, we see that this displeased the Lord. Yeah, 
yeah, I figured that would displease God. And, you know, you figured David would think that too, but that just shows that what corrupts a pure heart, as soon as you allow temptation in, as soon as you, you know, everyone's faced with temptation, everybody, Jesus was tempted, but Jesus resisted the temptations and remained pure and holy and perfect and overcame them. The problem is, is whenever we allow, when we give way to temptation, whenever it, when we allow it into our heart, you know, David, when David looked at this woman, he had a chance as soon as he saw her, he could have pulled himself away and been like, no, this isn't right. I don't need to watch her do this. I need to go away. I need to step away and do something else. He could have done that and resisted the temptation, but no, David looked at her. He probably sat there and looked at her for a while and examined her, kind of creepy, and then he sends one of his servants to inquire about her and learns who she is, and then you see the seed sprouting and it's starting to grow. The sin is starting to grow, and that's corrupting his pure heart. He goes from one bad thing to another, right? He sees her and kind of lusts after her and is watching her when he shouldn't. Then he goes and asks for her and brings her to him, and he lays with her. And then, to make matters even worse, then he has Uriah killed. You know, he lusts, then commits sexual immorality, and then murder, and ki- and has Uriah killed, sends him to the front of the lines. And he may not have, you know, been the one to kill Uriah himself. Maybe he thought that's why he was justifying it, but no, he gave the order, and so that falls on him. And so that displeased God, and no wonder, right? And so we see how what corrupts a pure heart? Sin, and whenever you become double-minded, whenever you take your focus off God, and when you start looking at something else, that pulls you away. Right? Galatians 5, 19-21 reads, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, well, there's the first thing. David did that, didn't he? Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Paul says in Galatians 5, 19-21. John says in 1 John 2, 15-17, John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so what corrupts a pure heart? Whenever we let the ways of the world in our hearts. Whenever we let the works of the flesh in our hearts. Just like what happened to David here, right? In David 11. David is both a positive example of a pure heart and a negative example. But we're not done with David's story yet. We'll read about it in a second. So how can I keep my heart pure? By staying close to God's word. Purity of heart requires us to be very strict with our conscience and not allow things to slide by justifying or rationalizing our faults. That's not what purity is. And also, you need to hold up the mirror of God's word to your soul each day. Doing this will prevent your conscience from being dulled, misinformed, or seared. Right? It'll keep our hearts, it'll keep our doors closed and locked from allowing sin and the works of the flesh and the desires of this world to enter our hearts, right? And so the second part right there, we read Galatians 5, uh, 19 through uh, 21. Now let's read Galatians, Galatians 5, 22 through 25, right? 
Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So we talked about the works of the flesh, right? Paul just mentioned that. Now, in Galatians 5, 22 through 25, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires, with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so we see here that that you can either live according to the Spirit of the flesh, or you can live with the fruit of God's Spirit. There's the works of the flesh, and then there's the Spirit of God, right? The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And that's whenever we live in purity of heart. How do you know if you're living in purity of heart? And if I have a pure heart, well, are the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? Or are the works of the flesh evident in your life? Are you keeping your heart pure? Are you staying close to God's Word? Are you praying to Him constantly? Are you reaching out to Him? Because I am willing to argue, well, willing to argue, I don't think it's an argument because it's just truth. Um, the Bible teaches us how do you keep your heart pure? Well, you read God's Word and you have an intimate relationship with Him. And so let's go back to David for a second, right? So we see how David was a man after God's own heart, right? God chose David because God saw his heart, right? Did that mean God didn't see that David was going to mess up and jack up and ruin things sometimes? No, God saw it. God saw it. And so even seeing that, God knew what David's heart was, and even in times whenever he strayed away, and so this is talking to us too, God sees our hearts and he knows what we're capable of. And so even if we stray away, God still loves us and gives us a chance to repent and to come back to him. Uh, Psalm 51, right? Psalm 51 is a beautiful, beautiful psalm. Um, Let me turn to it real quick. I didn't have it open. Psalm 51, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read a little bit of it, right? And so this is after, so this psalm is written after David's sin with Bathsheba, right? And so how do you keep a clean heart, right? How do I keep my heart pure? And, you know, for us, if we ever step off the beaten path, you ask for forgiveness, right? If we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So if we just confess and come to God after we have messed up, he'll forgive us. God is patient and kind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He will never give up on us. God will forgive us, and he will always take us back as long as we are sincere, right? What does it mean to be pure of heart? A single-minded, undenying, focused, right? Loyalty. And that means we have to come back to him with intention, right? We need to be intentional. And so David prays in Psalm 51. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. 
Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. I'm actually going to read this whole thing. It's so good. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, and then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And so we see here, how can I keep my heart pure? Seek after God. Seek his word. Seek his guidance. Seek his His presence, Right? And live in the fruit of the Spirit. Let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in your life. Focus on those things and allow the Holy Spirit to guide your life. And then whenever you do stumble off the beaten path and you make mistakes, because we all do, right? We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? No one is righteous, no, not one. Those are both things that Paul said. And so when you fall off the beaten path, be like David and come back to God with sincerity, or sincerity, I should say, being sincere and intentional, and begging God for forgiveness with a pure heart. You see, David committed sexual morality, slept with another man's wife, and he had him. He had the man killed, right? Those are pretty intense sins, you know, right? Sin is sin, but those are pretty, pretty intense. But yet, he still called a man after God's own heart. God still loved him. And God still kept his covenant with David because David came back to him. And most of the days of David were good. Most of the days of David were good. And so we see here through David, right? Obviously, we've looked at some other passages too, but I've mentioned David on each of the questions we've asked, right? What is a pure heart? We use David as an example. What corrupts a pure heart, right? David sinned. And so how do you keep a pure heart? Even even whenever you have sinned, you realize your mistake and you confess your sin to God and God will forgive you and make you pure again. And then we just have to try our best and do better to continue to continue to live in him and to continue to do the things that we ought to do. And so now we're getting to the second part of the beatitude, finally. What does it mean to see God, right? Fortunate are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, right? It is a deeper revelation, insight, and intimacy in the relationship with God, right? From this follows, we will know his ways, his heart, his thoughts, and his will. That's the idea. You'll see God and who he is and what he wants. That's what it means to be pure in heart. It doesn't mean you're going to physically see God. We won't physically see God until, at least I I believe, until the judgment day. Um, and then we'll all stand before God on the throne uh, and his throne. And so, but while we're on this earth, We'll see God's heart. We'll see his thoughts and his will and his ways. Uh, when we are single-minded about becoming Christ-like, the reward is seeing God. And why is seeing God so important? 
Without Jesus, we have no life. And he has the words of eternal life, right? And so we have to read Jesus' words and apply them to our lives to see God. And you'll see God working in your life. It'll come into completion, as we've said, one day when we live with him in his presence again. However, we can see God through our relationship with him. I think about my life and the different things I've seen God work in so many ways in my life since I've really been single-minded and focused on him. Because I, I, like David, made a bunch of dumb mistakes growing up, just like I know a lot of us have. But I confessed my sin, and God, and I know God forgive me because he's righteous and truthful and just, and he'll forgive me. And, and, I, and I watched God forgive me, and then when I focused on God to do his will and focus on the ministry of the gospel, he has blessed me. He's blessed me with so much. Uh, he gave. He he brought me Estella, uh, or I guess I should say he brought me to Estella because she's always lived here. But he he I I met my wife and he blessed me with that and he gave me laser and gave me uh, an extra son that I never thought I'd have. But it's been so wonderful and he gave me another baby boy who will be here in July, Lord willing. Um, and you know I've seen God work in my life, and God has taken care of us financially. You know, no everyone knows California. California ain't cheap, <laughs> but but God has blessed us financially, physically, spiritually, in all these different ways. You know, does that mean that bad things have happened to me? Yeah, sure. My back isn't what it used to be, but I'm grateful and I'm thankful because God continues to bless me, and I see God working, and I see God, and I get to know Him more intimately, and I see the things that He's doing. And that's so amazing, and that's so wonderful. And so that's the reward, and that's what Jesus is meaning, for they shall see God. You'll see God truly when you live for him. You know, people talk about, you know, well, I won't believe in God if, unless I see him. Well, you can't see God and know his will and know his ways unless you live his way, and you live according to his will. And so how do you begin that? You become pure in heart. You do the beatitude, you you follow the beatitudes and you live out the beatitudes, right? I think about um in Hebrews 11:27, um the writer of Hebrews is talking about Moses, right? And he says, "By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." Right? Him who is invisible is obviously referring to God. And so it's it's almost as like you know, it's like Moses got to see God, right? Moses Moses did get to kind of like see a part of God, obviously, but this was before he got to see him uh, whenever he was leaving Egypt, right? But he did talk to God through a burning bush at the by this point in the story, whenever they had left Egypt. And so, but Moses, by committing his way to God, got to see God and got to see God work and see these mighty deeds that God did. I think about Paul, right? Paul talks about seeing God and knowing God and obviously, Paul didn't physically get to see God. You know, he kind of got his, he, the bright light flashed him, and he kind of he saw Jesus um, and stuff, right? And it blinded him for a little bit. But you know, in terms of after that, when Paul was just in his ministry and stuff, it's not like he got to see God and have personal conversations with God. No, but he saw quote unquote God by knowing God in His Word and through the Holy Spirit. And you look at Acts at all these people who are just living for God and they're knowing God intimately. That's what it means to see God. And so today I'm calling and encouraging us to live the Christian life as it should be, where inside and out is the same, and it is the right side up, right? And for this, we will need to give up the need for this self-preservation at all costs and embrace the pain of purification, right? 
when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will cultivate a pure and clean heart. And so I want you to reflect and ask yourself, you know, have you caught yourself being double-minded? And being hypocritical, maybe, and saying you want to be a Christian, but then you go off and do these things. And what would you say is the reason for that? The last question I want to ask you guys is, how badly do I want the fruit of godly living? How badly do I want eternal life? How much do you love God? How much do you love God? I want to thank you guys for joining in on another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope it's been encouraging to you, and I just pray that you can see God through this and that He can speak to you through His Word. You guys have a good one, and Lord willing, we'll tune in next week.